Okay. Hello, and welcome to Tea Time Theology. I'm your host for this season, Taylor Wilkie. My guest today is the Reverend Joan Teston of Emanuel Church in Cumberland, Rhode Island. She has joined us today to discuss the second season episode of Star Trek Discovery, New Eden. Welcome, Joan. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Great. So, you picked this episode. Yes. And I'm guessing that's because you're you're like a big Star Trek fan. Well, I am a big Star Trek fan. Um, and when I knew that we were going to be talking about faith and theology in culture, I was looking back at Star Trek episodes and realized that I believe, somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong and they'll send me an email, but I believe that this was one of the first episodes where we were dealing with faith and religion from the human point of view. That is you true. We had the Jorans, the Klingons, Data, um, mm. computers, you know, all people quoting scripture or talking about the hell or gods or whatever. But um, this kind of was the first episode where I felt as though we really had a sense of humanity had some sense of a greater power, whatever that greater power happened to mm. be. And some of them believed in it and some of them, of course, did not. We had that old science faith kind of dichotomy. Mm. Which is interesting to think that in the episode, it, it, it's been 200 years since they since the colony was started on New Eden, and I guess there were still science-based factions holding out inside of this 200 years. You would think that um, maybe that would have changed over time, but I guess it didn't. Yeah, well, it was that one family. Yeah. It was like the pass down to the family. So it was almost honoring the family history, mm. as well as the curiosity of the scientific mind. Yes, So. True. Okay, um, so just to give everyone a quick uh, synopsis of the episode, um, because this is on uh, Paramount Plus, mm-hmm. and not everyone has Paramount Plus. It's a very right. odd one to have. Pretty much, I've decided that if you like Star Trek, you have Paramount Plus, and if you don't <laughs> like Star Trek, you, there's no reason to get Paramount Plus. Exactly. Um, so, uh, in this episode, uh, using Discovery's Spore Drive... Uh, the crew has jumped to the planet Terralisium in the Beta Quadrant where they discover a, um, a colony of humans that is alleged, that is supposedly pre-warp. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important, and we'll get into that later, about General Order 1 and the Prime mm-hmm. Directive and all of that. Um, because I'm very interested to find out uh, if you agree with Pike's assertion in the episode that this is a General Order 1 situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll get to that later. I'm sure we'll have a flurry of blows about that. <laughs> Before we jump into the actual meat of the episode, let's talk about Star Trek's relationship with religion. I know we talked you talked about it a little bit earlier, but like you said, they've never really taken a uh, a hard stance on religion in the show. Well, Gene Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry was was an active atheist, um, a humanist who did not really believe that there was anything beyond Mm. the human power to think and the human power to create and the human power to use their imaginations um, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Um, And so that permeated the original series. And then almost all the way through Next Generation as well, Roddenberry Mm. died, you know, fairly early on, I think it was year three Mm. um, that he died. But even that philosophy still went all the way through, um, Star Trek The Next Generation with the Mm. idea that anytime they hit upon a culture or something that had some kind of super being, it was always an alien that was just a little bit more 
uh, knew a little bit more than the humans mm. did. You know, we're a little bit further along in the evolutionary scale, or um, you know, something evil that had enough power to to kind of take over things. Mm. And you know? we're talking about like the uh, the Q continuum oh, yeah. in this, uh, which is always interesting to me to the Q characters and. Uh, and then there was, in the next generation, there was that woman, they made contact on a planet, I can't remember the exact name of the planet, or the woman, but she was controlled, she was allegedly to have godlike powers, and she was controlling with her eyes. Ardra. Ardra? Ardra. Yes. Um, who was going to come back, are you speaking of the one who was going to come back in 500 years or yeah. something, and she showed up as everybody's particular demon, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a fascinating episode. Mm-hmm. Um, or the, shoot, I'm going to forget the name of the, I think it's the Undiscovered Country, the name of the movie, mm. where, you know, the classic line, what would God need with a starship, you know, when they when they go to a planet and, and God has called uh, Spock's brother mm. to this planet and and God is there and God is is going to get on their ship and and escape the world and he shows up as each person's idea of or or their childhood stories mm. of either a god or a demon um, but mm. mostly god and so it's it's kind of but it was all of those kinds of episodes where when the humans were talking about their faith or or anything that was super being of any kind it usually ended up being you know, some kind of alien farce um, where the person just had more power at yes. the moment. Yes, yeah. and then there's, of course, the classic example of um, uh, from Who Watches the Watchers, mm-hmm. where Picard, where Picard, sorry, uh, Riker and Diana go down to the planet, mm-hmm. and they end up hurting a local. They bring him back to the ship. He wakes up. He sees Picard in some type of haze and he assumes the Picard is a god and they spend the rest of the episode trying to convince everybody that the Picard is not actually a god. That's right. He's just a man like everyone else. Yes. And wasn't there Kirok at one point? Wasn't Kirk seen as a god in some more primitive civilization? Don't remember. Mm, That sounds familiar. I think that was a... And, you know... Somebody look, is going to I look tell forward, us. I look forward to your letters. Yes. But, um, uh, it's uh, the episode where he like somehow his mind gets w- wiped and he's lives with the oh yes. yes lives with the natives of the people who just so happen to be some some kind of Native American tribe. Of course, yes. Uh, or a simile of that. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, you mentioned Q. Yes. And I do think. I mean, I don't want to go too far off what we're oh, going to no. talk about, let's, but we've got to talk go. about let's Q go. as God yes. when Picard dies. Mm. And you know he. Which time? Um, the time that he dies and, and goes <laughs> to the afterlife, and you see this glowing kind of a figure in mm. white, um, and then it pans out, and it turns out that it's Q, and Q is telling Picard, "Welcome to the afterlife. I'm God." Mm. And then Q is able to send Picard back into his original life to allow him to correct the mistakes that he made that led to his death, and so there's this whole idea of what is the difference between Q and God. Um, kind of coming out of that episode, you start to think, well, Q really is. He's omnipotent. Mm-hmm. Um, he's probably eternal, although they kind of talk about Q's having really long lives. They don't necessarily, I don't remember, talk about them being eternal. He's not omniscient and then he doesn't know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you talk about what are his, motiva- his motivations yeah. um, for what he's doing, which are different than my own beliefs of a supreme being. But that one fascinated me as well mm-hmm. when, you know, you really took the alien species that was so powerful and, and really turned them into God from the point of view of the character, at least for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. And they uh, they dive into the Q continuum 
in Voyager. Mm-hmm. They do a whole thing where there's like a war and the Q continuum. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very like you know like ten out of ten. You should watch it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, now we talked about humanism mm-hmm. uh, a second ago. Uh, what is that? And can we dive deeper into it? Because I guess humanism would be considered the religion of Star Trek. Yes, it was definitely the religion of Star Trek, at least for a long time. Um, As I understand humanism, and again, uh, I look forward to emails, um, but as I understand humanism, it is the concept that everything that humans need in order to evolve into supreme beings is already within them. That we don't have any kind of god that we need to worship there's no rituals that we need to do that that locked within our brains is are so many things that we have not yet tapped which i do believe is true but that that is that's the the penultimate would be humanity reaching its penultimate kind of goal in terms of its species Mm. so that that is a really brief i mean we could go into humanism forever but let's not we had a rule early on in the podcast two seasons ago that said, like, we're not going to talk about COVID, but because we weren't sure if it was going to be like a real thing. Right. And it turned out, it turned out to be a thing. Yeah. Um, uh, just a little bit. Um, and I like to call myself a believer in a Roddenberry future. I think that eventually something's going to happen that's going to galvanize the human race together. And I thought it was either going to be a global pandemic or first contact. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's going to have to be first contact because it just happened mm-hmm. and we didn't galvanize together for a more common goal. Mm-hmm. We all kind of still fought amongst ourselves for, yes. for a year and a half. Well, you know, we've got those UFOs or whatever they're calling them now that, that they're starting to release all of the reports on. So yeah. first contact might not be too far away. First contact. I just hope That's it's exciting. the Vulcans yeah. and not like the Ferengi. Or the Klingons. Or the, well, yeah, but at least there's Klingons are more interesting. I, I'm not a Ferengi fan. No, I don't think... They're not very good. Yeah, well, some people really are. And, well, and I just... Yeah. Well, yeah. they're um, they're a mirror. They were designed to be a mirror of who humans are currently. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they're they're just greedy beings who are only looking to pursue their own wealth. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we're at in our society, even today. The Frankies were introduced in the nineties, mm-hmm. uh, and we're still living that kind of life. We haven't evolved beyond that yet. Mm-hmm. And I guess I keep looking forward to that day. When we do move beyond the the idea of self and mm-hmm. more of the idea of everybody else, but then mm-hmm. of course I get I quickly get called socialist when I think when I say things like that, and people are like, oh, well, it's not really socialism if you know we're just all working together and it's not like we still have our own stuff, but we work toward towards a common goal. We just want to make sure everybody has enough. Yeah, you know the the classic idea of socialism is that everybody has the same. And that's that's not, I think, what you're talking about, and I right. don't know it's not what I'm talking about. Everybody should have enough. Yes. You know, and once everybody has enough, there will be people who have more and people mm-hmm. who have less because people want to strive for more. Um, but nobody should be going to bed hungry so that you know I can throw food away. Right. Um, and speaking of the Ferengi, I can't let them go by without just talking two seconds about how misogynistic they are. Oh man! You know, and it's so bad. the use of women that also permeates much of our culture. And we won't go into it too deeply, but, you know, the, some of the critique, critique makes it sound too official, um, criticisms, um, ranting about discovery mm. have to do with um, the fact that women are so strong and are in charge. Um, there was one very long Twitter thread where somebody said, there's not one white male, white heterosexual male that I can relate to in this series, so I'm not going to watch it. What about Pike? Well, that um, was this was the first season. Okay, that makes sense. But still, know. do we all need to, to you know 
to make sure that every time we see, you know, we see ourselves. So many of us for so many years didn't get to see ourselves on television. So we're kind of rejoicing. It's cool. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I think Star Trek is Star Trek. I will watch Star Trek in any form and I'll judge it. And Mm -hmm. if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I just won't revisit it. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. So far, I've never run into uh, a Star Trek that I haven't liked. The only, I guess the only complaint I had with season one, I know a lot of people had a lot of complaints with season one of Discovery. I just feel as though the Klingons were always mumbling. For some reason, the, 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 uh, the prosthetics weren't applied well. And like, all of a sudden, a Klingon became like a garbled nonsense instead of actually a language Mm -hmm. that we all can understand. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, Fullheartedly. Let's talk about the study of comparative religions. Do you know anything about that? My roommate in college, um, it was either her major or her minor. Uh, they call it religious studies. Okay, now, um, uh, hold on, I'm just going to slow okay. you down for a second. Because in the episode, Pike says his dad is a professor of, care- of, of comparative religions, and I wasn't sure how that necessarily equated to our current time, and the, the time we're currently living in, mm-hmm. and does that exist? And you mm-hmm. said it does, and you know someone who studied it. Oh, yeah. And what is, so, so what is comparative religion? It is basically taking a particular theme, at least this is how they did it at William and Mary, that's where I got my undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, you take a particular theme, like um, the, the role of women, and then you look at the role of women in each of the religions that you're going to be bringing into the class, and then you might look at what is the goal of life, and you would then look at each religion. And so the idea is um, to study not only the commonalities, but the differences between religion, and then to be able to further understand how the world and society is beginning to evolve, evolve mm-hmm. based on the fact that all of these theologies are, are kind of rumbling through society. Um, even most of those who don't have a belief system at this point were raised in some kind of belief system. Mm. Um, so that's really the goal of the study, to be able to have a, a comprehensive, uh, not a comprehensive, comprehensive idea of a particular theme in various religions, but then just to have an overview. It's almost like the liberal arts of religion. Okay. I was not raised in the Episcopal tradition. I was raised Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. So was and, I. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, and I, uh, I took a big step back for a while from that because uh, it was going in a direction I wasn't really okay with, and I'm like, mm, I don't think I want to be a part of this anymore. But I never, I never would badmouth the teachings that I received while there. Mm-hmm. I would always say that religion doesn't necessarily always get everything right. But they will set it will set you up even if you don't follow it for the rest of your life with a good set of a moral standard mm-hmm. that as a society we've all kind of agreed upon and that mm-hmm. gives you like that like you know not necessarily because something bad's gonna happen to you happen to you after you die it's just that you know this is just a bad thing to do and you just shouldn't do it mm-hmm. um, so I guess that's kind of what I think when when you explain comparative religion to me it kind of says. From what I understood, it's comparing the religions and kind of finding a common ground in that belief in all of the belief structures. Mm-hmm. And you can right? do yes, and you can do that in um, in different religions. You can also do it in different flavors of Christianity, mm. um, because I I believe that if you only know your own flavor of religion, then that's where you get led down. You know, kind of a path that you don't mm. that doesn't help society. I mean, you look at some of the religions and how they treat people of different cultures, people of different colors, people of different sexualities. And if that is all you know, mm-hmm. and you have never studied what other people might believe and had a dialogue with someone who had a different belief system than you did, then I think that's where a lot of the problems come. Because 
and the other thing that I think we do sometimes when we're studying other religions, and this was when I was in, uh, I don't know, my second, first year of seminary, um, we had a Bible study, mm -hmm. a joint Bible study that we did in a group one time, and it was um, at the table um, were Jewish folk and Muslim folk and Christian folk. Oh, and nice. we took a passage from the scripture that, that all three of us, all three religions had, mm -hmm. but we did something different than I had done before. We did not search for the commonalities. Mm -hmm. We sought out the differences. How, did, how does our particular flavor of religion understand this passage? And that was fascinating. And I felt like I learned so much more about how other people think by hearing how they looked at a passage that was familiar to me mm. and how it was different from my own. Mm. So I think that is such a valuable thing to have experienced. And I, I think that more people need to do that mm -hmm. in our world today. Agreed. Um, I just feel as though we're being pulled further and further apart. Mm -hmm. Um, by forces that want us to be pulled apart. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, I don't know, I guess I, I guess I think more people should watch Star Trek to understand that we should be more together as a, as a race. There that there's more things we have in common than we have differently. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Okay. Not only as a race, but as creatures. Yes. You know, all over the yeah. universe. So um, you spoke about um, your Bible study class, and I guess that's a good way to jump into... Um, what Pike and Burnham and the third person found on the planet? They 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 beam into they beam onto a planet and they go into a church and they find imagery of uh, let's see, um, hmm. I have the list here. It's a uh, Hindu, Wicca, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Judaism, Shinto, which I had never heard of before, mm -hmm. uh, and we later find out that there are scientists who live in the, who live in the in the uh, tradition or in, in the colony also. Right. What do these faiths have in common that allowed them to work together in such harmony for the first ten years, not and not even thinking about the next hundred and ninety? I think, and I know a little about each of them, so I could be very much mistaken. But mm -hmm. as I understand it, each one of these religions has something in common, there is a purpose for our life. And that purpose is not something that we determine ourselves, it's something that has been determined externally, whether it's by a god or gods or, or some exterior powerful force, so that um, we have a reason to live that is beyond our own happiness. And I see that in each of these religions. And if you think about the fact that this, this group of people were apparently in World War III, and they were they all took refuge in this little church because their town, village, city, whatever was being bombed. And and they have this experience of something they don't understand, the red angel showing up. It's as though none of them have the answer. Mm -hmm. And since none of them has the answer, they realize that there must be an answer in the combination of all of them. If you believe that you've had some supernatural intervention, then it's the next easy step to say there's a reason why this supernatural being came to us. Mm -hmm. If you have any kind of belief system at all in any of these particular religions that we're talking about. So I think that's where that original idea of, it's not that we don't want to offend the gods, because mm -hmm. it was a very positive thing. There was nothing negative yeah. in their religion. So it was less that we don't want to offend whatever god or being brought us here. It's more that we want to honor them and we want to look for why we're here. Mm. Why were we put together as one culture 
with these many beliefs? Mm. And how can we incorporate all of those beliefs into what will become our society's mm. belief system? I think that goes back to what I was speaking about earlier, where it just takes one big moment for everyone to say, to take a step back and say, whoa, mm -hmm. there's more going on here than I can understand individually or my group can understand by ourselves. And we need to all come together and listen to everybody else's ideas to really come up with a solution to the predicament that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I just feel like there's not enough of that going on mm -hmm. in the world. There's not enough on a mega scale, mm -hmm. but I saw incredible linking of disparate people mm -hmm. during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I heard stories and I also saw around here and in the state of Rhode Island, mm -hmm. you know, people who, you know, were politically on one side or the other came together under the governance of the state of Rhode Island and for quite a while, you know, were willing to walk together into that. Mm -hmm. um, it's unfortunate that, that a pandemic can become politicized and then can become a way for us to isolate ourselves from the world. And that's what ultimately happened mm -hmm. um, on a mega scale. But on the smaller scale, I could very much imagine a whole group of people very disparate ending up in my church and, and flipping off somewhere, you know, and mm. not all Episcopalians, not all members of my church, mm. but if that became the haven, yeah. um, th I think that's one of the reasons why I found this episode when I went back to look at it again, so compelling because mm. um, I could imagine the same thing happening now. Let's talk about the texts that we see mm -hmm. inside of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, we get a lot, we, 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 we get, not only do we get texts, but we get to hear actual prayers of these people. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the longer ones that we that we encounter is uh, is we ask for help to guide us to the straight path, the faith of those who believe in the word of our redemption. It is all the same for those who disbelieve, whether you warn them or do not. And when it is said to them, do not cause corruption on the earth. They are deaf, dumb, and blind, so they will never return to the righteous path of redemption. When those who believe and are signed come to thee, say, peace be upon you. And there are other verses that you can read in the Bible. I paused my TV and I went right mm -hmm. up to the screen and I read everything I could inside <laughs> of that book. Of course you did. Um, and I got a big TV, so <laughs> I could read a lot of it. And so... What do these prayers and these things that they've talked about during the welcome ceremony and in the church have in common with our beliefs in Christianity? And how can you see an influence in Christianity in these texts or these belief structures that they have? I can narrow it more probably to Episcopal Christianity mm -hmm. in many ways. So I'm coming out of that background. Okay. So if it doesn't relate to someone who's from a different Christian tradition, I'm sorry that you, your point is just as valid. Um, but what I see here is that they're, the faith of those who believe in the word of our redemption, they're not talking about the afterlife. They're talking about how they were redeemed from an awful situation and brought into a new world. In the same way that as a Christian, as an Episcopalian Christian, I believe that we were all redeemed through the event of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that when Jesus is talking about, you know, that, that the kingdom of God is at hand, he's not saying, live this way and you go to heaven. He's mm -hmm. saying, you have been redeemed. You are now living the life of your redemption. And so these people, their, their um, prayer that they're saying, 
I take it from that same point of view. We were redeemed. We were saved by the red angel. We were brought here. And so even to those, and again, they're taking it from scripture that was mm. on earth before. So they're talking about being on earth. Um, but even those who would not believe in that, your, your ultimate um, greeting to them needs to be peace be to you. Oh, that's great. So that's, that's what I took from it. And again, I'm looking at Discovery with rose-covered glasses because it's the first Star Trek series since the original series mm -hmm. that I immediately fell in love with. Mm -hmm. um, I liked Next Gen a lot. Um, it took me a little while to get into Next Generation. Mm -hmm. um, but this one just immediately felt like Star Trek to me. Most people say to get into, you should never start Next Generation in Season 1, Episode 1. You should start Next Generation Season 2, Episode 1, and then watch it and then go back to Season 1. And or I'm even just... Season 3. That's yeah. when they really hit their stride with Season 3. Yeah, and the best of both worlds. Best of both worlds. <gasps> I came home, uh, I was on the road last week, uh, sorry, earlier this week, and when you emailed me about your changes to the to the outline... Uh, I had just got back to the hotel. I turned on the TV to the BBC America, and they were playing Best of Both Worlds uh, on the TV. I'm like, oh, man, this is so good. <laughs> it's like the perfect time to come back. Yeah, exactly. Um, and let me just say again, yeah. their welcome ceremony that they mm. did incorporated that same belief system. Mm. They didn't know who these people were, and yet what they felt their role was was to welcome them mm. immediately into the community, whether or not they you know, actually came from where they said they came from. Yes. Yeah. From the north. Mm -hmm. From we, the north. Yes. It, we have a little extra time here at the back end. Um, so let's get into the deep, nerdy, gritty of Star <laughs> Trek. We're going to talk about General Order 1 for General a while. General Order 1. Yeah. Um, General Order 1, for those who don't know, I was going to read it out, but it's really long and I'm not going to read it. But generally the idea is that if you're, if, if you're a member of Starfleet and you encounter a group of people or a race that has not achieved warp drive, mm -hmm. you do not interfere with their natural evolution as a species. Right. Now, I have opinions about this. Really? Pike, Pike, I do. I'm shocked. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Pike is very insistent that when they go to New Eden, they encounter a human colony on New Eden that is that was taken off of planet pre-warp. Mm -hmm. He's insisting that this is a General Order 1 situation. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that assertion, that this is a General Order 1 non-interference situation? Or do you think they could have just beamed down in uniform and said, hey, we're humans, we survived World mm -hmm. War Three, and we're going to take you back home right now? Mm -hmm. I look at what the more quote-unquote advanced civilizations on Earth mm -hmm. have done when they encountered the more quote-unquote primitive cultures. Mm -hmm. And how that never works out well for the primitive cultures. I think that's where General Order 1 came from. Mm. Um, so I look at these folks who've built this lovely, wonderful, welcoming society. And they're working towards, you know, perhaps someday developing, you know, warp drive or some advanced technology. I wouldn't mess with that. I do agree with Pike on this one. Um, and normally I would be, you know, pro Burnham all the way. But in this particular instance, I think, you know, for that to see what happens to humanity when they have been transported someplace else together. They were all very different. Mm -hmm. Their religion um, shows you that. They were all very different. They've come to develop this peaceful society. And who are we to go in and say what you've, you know, you've missed out on 200 years of development. You know, hey, mm -hmm. here you go. You know, here's a phaser. Yes. And, you know, it's going to be the first thing people are going to want. They're going to want yeah. the phaser and they're going to want the, the track order. You know, yeah. so that they can know what everything is made of and, the, and that they can be more powerful than everybody else. And that's, you know, and that's not something I thought of. I thought of, 
they would be easily integrated back into our society. But now that I'm thinking about it, we we had a Next Generation episode about that where they encountered a probe full of people in cryogenic stasis, not Khan. This, <laughs> this is a different group of people <laughs> in the same kind of plot mm-hmm. where some rich guy woke up and he says, I have money. I, you need to take me back. And they said... What's money? We don't right. do we don't do money anymore. Exactly. <laughs> and he like and he has lost all of his power and mm-hmm. he's trying to amass power on the ship by mm-hmm. getting things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it almost for me is a foreshadowing of the Borg, mm. because the Borg would take them and assimilate them into their new culture rather than honoring the individuality of the, that culture that's developed. And so for Pike to say no, these these folks have their own individual integrity as a culture and we're not going to try to assimilate them back into what earth has become mm. um i found that very compelling and when you think of that you, you, you think about that situation and then you think about what he does after insisting this is a general order one non-interference at the end of the episode he beams back to the basement of the church and he tells the scientists hey you're right. Mm-hmm. We are from Earth, mm-hmm. and Earth is fine, and we have space travel, but we can't let you have it because you're not ready mm-hmm. as a society. But then Pike does interfere with the natural order, and he gives him a power cell mm-hmm. to illuminate the church again to make the church a better place. And I, th- I think that that was a uh, a callback to his upbringing from his father mm-hmm. to say. You know, we might not all believe the same things, but everyone's all these people are just trying to do good with the do good with the what they have, the best they can. Mm-hmm. And this man and his father, and I think his grandfather as mm-hmm. well, um, were the ones who were sending out this distress distress call for these mm-hmm. centuries. Um, and so to be able to give him that sense that that what you have believed and your family has believed all along is truth, mm-hmm. um, and. It's not a truth. It's a truth that you need. And even the man said it. I don't need to go any further than this. I just needed to know that what we had proclaimed all of these years to each other was in fact truth. And I'm so glad to know Earth survived. Nobody else seems to care. Mm. But this particular family, for whatever reason, did. And so it was almost like Pike, you know, you know we talk about, you know, Jesus appearing to people. You know, so Pike was kind of the, the way of, of appearing to him to say... Yes, this is what you've always believed is true. And this is what we can give you and we can only give you this. Mm. Um, again, I thought it was very moving. It is. It's a fantastic. It, 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 if you guys haven't watched, if, if anybody listening hasn't watched this episode, I highly recommend just trying to get it any way you can. Well, you can buy them on Amazon, but, you know, whether you want to really do that or it's not. I think it's like a buck or something. It's, like, it's like, yeah. And if you're not going to watch the whole series, this is not an episode that you need to really it's know much about. It is in, in many ways a bottle. You need to understand the spore drive. Mm. Um, so do a little bit of reading so you understand what the spore drive is, because that's a whole other conversation. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Oh, yeah. You go into a... Di- oh, yeah. We oh, could go on forever. Oh, yeah. my God. What is death? Okay. Yeah. Yes, okay. exactly. We won't oh, my do God. That. Oh, my God. Stamets. <laughs> Stamets and his husband. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So wonderful. Um, okay, let's uh, let's jump into final thoughts. What uh, what what would you what would you say if someone was just coming to Star Trek for the first time and they should t- what should they take away from this episode of Star Trek? Curiosity. That that ultimately it's about being curious. The the starship goes to this and and they want to know how the society works. I mean, the first thing they do in the church is they look at the windows and they read the scriptures. Um, and then they want to converse with them. 
And I think that the idea of us being curious about each other rather than trying to dominate each other permeates Star Trek and not just this episode of mm. Discovery. But it's all about finding out. Data is like a, an icon of that, you know, trying to figure out how to become more human and in the end of the series realizing that he's going to become more himself. Mm. Um, but I just think that that whole idea of not only scientific and intellectual curiosity, but the curiosity. Joan, it was a pleasure to be here in your home with you and record this session and, and, and especially talk track because I don't <laughs> get to talk track very often. Yeah, me neither. Um, and it's really great to talk track. Yeah. Um, uh, let's say uh, someone wanted to co see you on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. Where would they find you? Emanuel Church Cumberland is at 120 Nate Whipple Highway. Um, we have extensive grounds. Uh, we've built a meditation and prayer garden, which interestingly enough, became our most important outreach during the pandemic. Because when people couldn't go into crowded spaces, more and more of our neighbors discovered our grounds and our, and our gardens um, and came and walked. And I think anybody who, who is interested in exploring curiosity with people who have more questions than answers and people who are comfortable with quirkiness would find us intriguing. Mm. Um, and I also just think that anybody who wants to come and talk Trek after church, hey, you know, I'm more than willing to do that. And uh, if any, uh, one of the things that I've been able to do here is I do have Paramount Plus and I do have a couple of parishioners who don't. And so we do gather together to watch Star Trek Discovery. So that's something that we can do. Well so if you like this kind of stuff and it's making you curious, you know, send an email and we'll see if we can get together. Absolutely. I hope one day you'll invite me to that too. You can come anytime you want. Fantastic. <laughs> Lower Decks premieres All right. in three weeks. <laughs> um, great. Uh, and do you have any socials that you want to plug while we're on the podcast? Because of the pandemic, you know, we're just really starting back in terms of, of social kind of things. We're going to be doing um, out probably movies under the stars. Ooh. But I don't have enough information on that yet. But when it, when we do, it will be on our Facebook page and also on our website. Okay, and we'll link to that in the description of this episode. Um, That'll be great. When, when, it, when it drops. That'll be great. Okay. Like I said, it was a pleasure having you. Thank you. It was wonderful to, to have this conversation. Live long and prosper. Peace and long life. Engines and steel, Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology, a ministry of St. John's Cathedral in Rhode Island. We would like to thank our producers, Mo Akande, Ivy Swinsky, and Taylor Wilkie. Special thanks to Mo Akande and David Hines for the Season 3 music, and our sponsors, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias.